hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, a Doctor Who commentary podcast. And we're here to witness the temporary death of Perry. And I am, of course, joined by Joe Ford, host of the podcast. Say hello, Joe. Uh, hello there. And Luke Malloy, who might as well be the host of the podcast. We're all always here. Hello, Luke. How are you? You killed Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. This is the big one. It this is. is basically a finale, isn't it? But halfway yeah. through the season. Yeah. Because time lords have no right to order Luke <laughs> or anyone else's death. I have every intention of finding out what it is. Thank you. <laughs> that was beautiful. It's exciting stuff, you know. The, the stakes are raised. The production did, values are sort of raised. Did you hear Philip Martin tell the story about how JNC came up? He's, he's been he signed the contract to do the scripts, but nothing's written yet. And he comes up after the dinner and says, hey, "Come here, like you know, away from everyone else." So this could go anywhere. It's JNC after all. And Philip Martin is reluctantly pulled into a shadowy corner, and he just whispers in his ear, but quite seductively, "Perry has got to die." <laughs> 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 and he goes, and then he said, um, he was told explicitly not to say anything to Nicola Bryan, and he felt a bit like an executioner every time he was talking to her. He was going, <laughs> maybe I could garrot her, or maybe like. <laughs> I think there's the odd companion you can kill. You could kill Turlo. You can Adric. You can you can kill Adric. You can kill Adam. Does he count? Uh, but you can't oh, kill sure. Perry. You can't kill Perry. I prefer to think that she is dead rather than the alternative. You're I, sick. I, think, I think they just did that to you know, to make it you know, let's just fake up this well, bit of Well evidence. apparently there was a big there was a big uproar but with the with the kids that were too upset about Perry dying. So it's it's to... it's Doctor Who. I don't think you should you should kill off the companions. And mm. after this story specifically, where it would basically be the doctor's fault and not just the fault of that he was he was there and he didn't save her, but like he's literally placed her in that position to die. Not not if, if his not if his head's been fiddled with or but it's the matrix lying. I well, if it's not the matrix lying, but it doesn't the thing matter. Is, if they hadn't pulled him out of time at, at the point that they did, he would have saved her anyway. So they're responsible. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But then we don't we don't know what we're watching, do we? What is especially troubling about this is this is the companion that has been lusted after, tortured, and generally mistreated in an appalling way. I, I so think to, se secretly she welcomed death. To, so to she make did, her she did the climax of her, of her Doctor Who adventure to be her death in the most horrific way imaginable, losing you know any semblance of who she is. I mean, that almost feels like a fitting end to Perry. Yeah. When yeah. you can't think of just like one mate, like highlight she might have had on board the travels, it's oh, get, no, gets quite nonsense. Bad, I can think of a lot of highlights for Perry. When she met, no, I don't mean as a character. I mean, like, uh, sorry, I mean as sort of just happiness and joy. Oh, Did she? Yeah. Uh, no. Is there? Is there a moment like when you can't think of one that's quite bad? The she bit where he puts his arm round her at the end of the two doctors and says yeah. they're going on a veggie diet. Yeah, she has a she has a good time with Peter Davison for about an episode of Planet of Fire, and then it's all downhill from there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But Spe speaking of it all being downhill from there, shall we jump into the episode? Mm. Oh. 
I think he wants to go to bed, you know. Come on, let's get <laughs> I'm an hour ahead of you guys. I'm oh, sorry. Ahead. No, you're the one who kept us waiting. All right. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, someone count us in then. Five, four, three, two, one. But the thing is, I don't think you even need to know in advance Perry is going to die in this episode to feel that there is something very uneasy going on here. And that this isn't going to end well. I think it's there in the music, which is very edgy. And just the way this builds and builds and builds to that ending. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Mm. I think I think it all feels off from the beginning. So I think yeah. you know something's going to happen, but you don't necessarily assume it's going to happen to Perry. I think Ron Jones, and I don't often say this, deserves a lot of the credit, though, for creating yeah. that tangible sense of sort of dread. As you said, he's learned from his other mistakes, and his direction does get better and better. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's not well, bad. Well, he went, he did Francis then, didn't he? And he did yeah. Varos, and then he did this. So mm. I, I just think he sort of got better with every. Uh, and I think, I think Frontiers has a lot of the same DNA as in terms of the style of directing as yes. Vengeance and this. And he's just learning. So he's learning about the lighting. He's learning not to shoot the tractators. So he doesn't shoot the rack in one way because he's he's already shot. The, the tractators and another and knows yeah. how silly they look. So it's it's a learning curve, bro. And he's <laughs> he's the one director because think about Dark Avengers and viruses that just learns to turn the fucking lights down. Mm. Is he still with us, Ron Jones? I don't think so. By all accounts, a very affable man. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just having a quick look on the internet. Oh, I look. They're fine. They're but fine. like with those three stories, with Francis, with Avengers and Varus and Mind Warp, mm. I think you've got three of the more memorable stories in Eric Sayward's time there. Mm. Yeah, that's true. He, he didn't do a lot, you know. He died in 1995, but he hasn't got many credits on IMDb. It's Doctor Who, Juliet Bravo, and a couple of things I've never heard of. And the production managed some of Bergerac as well. But no, he did not Maybe do... some of this was the best work he did then. Maybe. I think Is this it... episode might be the best installment that he directed. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I think, yeah. I mean, it's, I it's don't just... know. Varos is pretty strong. Varos is great, but I think the script of Varos is stronger than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cut it now. And you've got a, a doctor that's actually being a hero. My God, it's got the best line ever, hasn't it? It's like the three of us at the end, where the TVs go off, and it's like, well, what we're we going to do now? I don't know. <laughs> the end of the it's story. like the Wi-Fi family. <laughs> but actually, we're just funny. gonna have to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I feel from this point on now, Colin is Colin. Uh, the Sith Doctor is the normal Sith Doctor. Well, like, no, that's why no, I thought. I don't then, think he is. It adds to the confusion because it, you don't know whether he's playing. He just it doesn't actually. It's not clear when Crozier starts using Perry and he's watching. Actually, there, there is a point where he suggests Perry to the Sixth Doctor and the mass drops a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes, oh, female, flibbergy-dibbly, hopeless. Yeah. But I think that adds to the confusion because then it's like, well, what has he been doing up to this point? Well, it's been fake evidence. Stroke, the helmet he put on, stroke. Yeah, his helmet's <laughs> worn off. <laughs> yeah. you, you know I've got a point. Stop being fucking fickle. I mean, no, you do have a point. 
I don't think any of us are really defending it. We're just throwing out ideas. This isn't the impossible astronaut or Bifall or anything like that. He definitely Every... has a point. I can feel it right now. <laughs> Everybody knows that Mind Warp isn't a perfect script. No. no, no the, the, is, is there someone out there who this is their favourite episode of Doctor Who? But is that the beauty of Mind Warp? Is that what some would say? Is it John Cleese in, the, in Paris? The beauty is in the fact... <laughs> imperfections. Yeah. It does exist. The trouble is there's, there's too much that's good in here that you can't write it off. Mm. No, and, it, and it, as we said earlier on, it's, it is doing something different. I, You know, you watch this, you watch The Mysterious Planet, you watch this, and which one would you rather have? You'd definitely rather take Mind Wolf, wouldn't you? Even if you're left not knowing how to feel. I, think I, the, like, the, I like the, Mysterious Planet. Yeah, so do I. I think the dialogue's stronger in Mysterious Planet, but the direction is way oh, weaker. Get some taste, lads. And we, we get, we get glitz Planets and come and go, stars perish. We get Glitz and Dibbeth, the, the last Holmesian double act. Oh, yes. Get out on that, oh, he says to him. All right, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> now, was it Chris Clough who directed um, Mysterious Planet? No, it's Nicholas Mallet, who would go right. on to do Paradise Towers and The Curse of Fenric. Yeah, interesting. So there's another director that proved as he went along. Absolutely. And as you should, you know, I don't think this yeah. is an easy show to direct. You're going to learn on the job. No, no, I think, I think this, you're right. This oh, is the I cute scene between Yukonos yeah. and Ferry. And I think the story he tells about, uh, like, his belief of the afterlife is really nice. Yeah. It's just a lovely little touch in a really horrible story. But it is just <laughs> nice as well to have a pause for Perry to say... I I really feel lost here, and like, we don't usually get introspection from the companions in the eighties. No, like and this. she looks uh, she looks so much more comfortable in his company than she ever yeah. has with the Doctor. Basically, no, she's, actually, said, she's actually laughing. We said yeah. that she didn't. Oh, it's weird when the Lucosa starts laughing. They sort of go, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I can't look at him. You, th- you think of those <laughs> other eighties companions' departures, and you know Nissa's is just so meh, and Adric's. There's no, they they build it I'm into the story a little bit. The skills I learned on tracking. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor. You'll what? die here. She was very rarely alive. That night, <laughs> I think I think Tegan has a shit departure scene as well because uh, she she has nothing to do in that story. And then she just looks around and goes, "Well, it's all got a bit." At least it sort off. of means something, though. Yeah, it would it would have helped if it as been a departure a bit. story. It is lame for Tegan. Mm. I mean, Turlo's in the story after that, and you forget he's even been there in the first place. <laughs> no, you get all of his backstory in Planet of Fire. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's you why it's because... my favourite story. <laughs> Shout out you. <laughs> but, this, every... but this and, and Earthshock, I think these are the two you remember from the 80s. Yeah. I actually every... forget that Turlo's in Resurrection of the Daleks. When I think of it, I just he's just not there. No, well, he's there, but he's just got, got his hanky over his mouth walking around. He's a bit of chameleon for me. Like once he's once you get oh. past enlightenment, he's not in any episode until Planet of Fire. I like the way that he's <laughs> he's true to himself to the last year. He says, "Die well, my lady." Yeah, I really I'm... like Mark Strix, by the way. Just uh, though, it's just empty. Oh, he's yeah. a terrible actor, though. Oh, he's so funny. He seems like such a sound bloke. I remember yeah. when he was watching on the behind the sofas. He's on the trial of a time lord one, and he watches the mysterious planet. And he and Matthew Waterhouse loves Doctor Who, so he's going, "Oh, isn't that wonderful!" And Mark Strix is looking at him like he's you know swallowed a sour toffee apple or something. Goes, <laughs> "Really? You'd be happy with that after eighteen months off the screen?" 
we've we've just missed it. So we have met another um, mentor who's just sort of having a nap. And oh, a, a he's great. Yeah, he's jokes, this guy, the one in the jacuzzi. Yeah. He's quite funny. Yeah. He goes, what's it? For one moment, I thought you were going to kill him. <laughs> he's just, he just there, he just pops in while people are running past that. How Doctor Who is that? Yeah. It's yeah. just a, an alien just sitting in a jacuzzi in the background. He's the administrator right. of the slaves, you know, that's what he does. <laughs> so what even I... the light in here, just, just where he's taking shoes out of that booth with the dry mm. eyes pumping down. And yeah. Like, oh, this is horrible because she goes, oh, I'm all thin and healthy, huh? Like she thinks she's just having a checkup. Poor old Perry. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say stupid bitch? <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. trust that bunch it's, at all. You like, can't many, trust them. Can you? Also, like, how many times has she been near an operating table and it's ended well in, in this series? It's true. Very few. Do you remember when she was on Shockeye's table, tied down? Oh, yeah. I remember. I, I loved Perry as a kid when you can't quite comprehend how terrible. Oh, I bet you happen. did. No, when you, double D of her. when you when you can't quite comprehend. The terrible things that happened to her, and you, you you watch her as an adult, and you just yeah, feel so true. bad. Yeah, I think Androsani as a kid and Androsani as an adult are two very yeah. different experiences. <laughs> yes. And again, yeah. I'll come back to the fact that she plays it for real. There's no hint that she's in an action adventure series. She's like a, a young kid going through genuine trauma. Mm. Oh, it's, it's so thing. weird though that they push away from that with Mel because suddenly Mel comes along and she's got like, tons of agency. And I know she screams a bit, but well, think... she doesn't go for any of this. No, and I... you don't ever like she's so sort of superficial. It doesn't mm. feel as real, and that's not a sight on Bonnie Langford. That is just the character. It, it, yeah, it's what's in the script. You know, she's a computer programmer from Peace Pottage. That is, and likes exercising. That she is will be for know. the unit spin-off next year. Oh no, yeah, we'll learn all about a mom and a dad, and you know. All the trauma she went through and how she's... I don't mind any of that, though. I think she's going to come from this dreadful middle-class family. I think that's going to be quite interesting. I I think she's half Bandrill on her mother's side. (laughs) (laughs) It is very odd to go from Colin Baker trying to torture Perry to 33, 34 in the next story. But but this is the JNT thing. Rather than thinking about character development and things like that, he just goes, what's the complete opposite to what we've had before? That's what he does when he casts his doctors. It's just like opposite. That is precisely the reason we got Davison. It's because he was just not Tom Baker. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we didn't get Colin after Tom. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're not bad Colin either, but you know what I mean. I see. Okay. I just sort of tied into the point I said before, but as soon as the doctor and you kind of start teaming up, it's very confusing what, what the hell is meant to have happened with the Doctor? Mm. We just need a point throughout yeah. the story where it's explained what it is, which it, it, I know even Colin himself was asking yeah. for. It, it's it's one line somewhere. That's all it needs. Yeah, literally. Or just like, have a, I don't know, for some reason, have him put the helmet on again and it sucks. Because the I don't even think it. it's like a good... Like that. It's not like a good... What the fuck is this? That's the Terraleptil. Yeah, I just always forget. It's it's horrible. It, What's no so bad is clearly you've just got back. the actor in there going, and that's meant to be like a big banker from another world. That's right. Yeah, a big a big banker. I think he you're, deals you're in being, fish. You're being racist, you are. Yeah. What? Yeah, look, look at the Lucosa's hair now. Yeah. Sort of matted hair. He looks I bet, like I bet that's a really pretty man as well underneath all that makeup. Do you know what it's called? What? 
What, that, the, the alien? The Lucosa? No, the purple thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. A, a pos- representative of something or Pulse. A Posserian. A Posserian. <laughs> they never come back in any spin-off media, not oh, even no. the Lucy Wilson novels. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got to say, I've got to say, I think Philip Martin can spin a joke. I love that bit there where he goes, oh, no, I, I'm not going until I found my bride-to-be. And Colin Baker goes... I've got time for you to go courting as in the middle of this drama. It is quite witty, this. It is. Now, this is where Cozy becomes but it's really quite witty. for me as well. It's quite witty, but I don't think you can laugh. No, because it's so fucking dark. That's yeah. Like... You think like a warrior, but you do not act like one. It's most <laughs> perplexing. It's, it's, it's quite Strax before Strax, isn't it? Who? Bra Blessed? You can't, yes. yeah. Yeah, I see that. Also, it's... why has it suddenly gone lighter? It's daytime. It's daytime. Uh, daytime. daytime. Don't, you, don't you love it when, when Yukarnos threatens his mentor? He sort of just gently touches his neck. <laughs> he says, be quiet, wizened one. <laughs> or you'll be the first to die. Like, to me, even now, the Doctor's just pissing about when Perry's in very real danger. And because we don't know... Well, no, they're rescuing Tuza, otherwise he's going to have his brain. Give to toss about Tuza. Perry's yeah. the companion. Every life's important, Luke. Oh, but not no. Perry's. Perry's is the least no. important. <laughs> <laughs> he's never cared about her before. The man who never would. <laughs> <laughs> the man who would. That's who Colin Baker is. <laughs> he's, now, is, is he trying to strangle him, but he's got no neck? <laughs> I know, it's very cute. You could just tell Blessed's done a lot of work on the stage. Yeah. He he's has he has presence. He's just, I'm I'm really disappointed that he never showed up in the, the girl who died either. Because he was originally cast, wasn't he? As, he like, was, oh, yeah. Oh, that's Odin. Yeah. Like we needed that, and I just don't know whether there's a role in him in Doctor Who for him anymore. No, but as like as a well. as an evil god in the sky, yeah, perfection. He just suited that as well. It's a really, oh, I, I think it's a fun story. The girl who mm. died, yeah, yeah it's, he, he, he it's the one the, fun story from that season. He just set the uh, the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Actually, oh, there's not a lot of laughs. Zygon <laughs> two parter is depressing Dark, as hell. Sleep no more. The last three. <laughs> I mean, it's it's miserable. Series <laughs> nothing. <laughs> It is, but Misery loves company, so I enjoyed watching it. Yes, and we will certainly enjoy talking about it next week. Indeed. If I can stay awake. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Very funny. Brian Blessed does now spend the next five minutes just bellowing yeah. his head off. About... <laughs> it's the Sandman I feel sorry for. That, that, that voice <laughs> is coming through someone's headphones somewhere. That mentor's doing what we all think. Just go! Just go! <laughs> Oh, nasty, shave her head. Do you remember the uh, the uh, Blu-ray trailer for season twenty-two, and it's got Perry in the yeah. temple? That one didn't land for me. No, me neither. I just didn't. It just didn't feel anything with that. Can I be? Can I be really honest with you? Most of those Blu-ray trailers no, don't work for me. Do you know what? I didn't think the the latest Tegan one was all that, and that's because no. Janet Fielding can't act. So no, like, I'm not big only, on him. The only two that worked for me were the Mel and the Ace ones. Oh, the Mel one was fun. 
That's because it's your time, though, isn't it? But yes! the I, no, but <laughs> saying that, the Ace one, I thought, but it, it was one of the early ones when it was new. It's a new thing. Mm. Uh, the Ace one was good. I quite like the Joe Grant one with the daffodils. That was good. yeah. That that one's all right. As uh, the Joe, the Joe one where she has that adventure in a cave with a sea devil baby. That was oh, just that was shit. Uh, any any time. That... Do you know at the BFI they brought those two girls up on stage oh, who were in God. that and they were interviewed and I'm like they're in a two minute trailer. Why are they on the stage? I quite like the season twenty three one where it's just a piss take and Collins yeah. in prison. <laughs> well, because yeah. that happened in real life, didn't it? So, <laughs> they just filmed when he got that parking ticket. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I don't think we need an emotional like <laughs> dagger through the heart for each companion that ever lived. Actually, what interested me more about I can't, what was the one called with Perry? I can't remember now. I the Wanderer, remember. the, the last, Traveller, yeah, the last, like that. Um, what off. excited me more was seeing that enormous statue of Brian Blessed. And, oh, yeah. And sort of them sketching out a bit of the future where he's made a bit of an impact. I quite like that, and less mm. the sort of Perry stuff. How did you feel about uh, Maureen O'Brien wandering around a park somewhere? That, in... Oh, I quite like that one. I, I was, I, I was just like, who's that? <laughs> That's because you're very young, Luke Malloy. So, no, some... I knew who it was, but again, it just didn't work, did it? Somebody messaged me about that and said this is giving off some serious BBV vibes now. <laughs> <laughs> I get that's what it is. That's why I don't like it. It's yeah. very BBV. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of them are like that. They do one CGI shot. And yeah, then I mean, they, they've got it... no money. To be fair. And it does get people excited. Let's remember that. It, it might not be for us, but it does get a lot. Yeah, of and if excited. they were doing it, for, as, you, as you made this point to me, Joe, if they were doing it in twenty years' time with Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, I'd be absolutely just yeah. my pants. Well, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh wait, we're getting free specials. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or are we? See the speculation podcast for more detail. This look at this. <laughs> Seal, Seal's being carried by one of his muscly slaves. Yeah. yeah. And then you get the the Forest Beatons sort of dancing around doing interpretive dance around the sets. It's all very strange. <laughs> yeah. So right for this bit, I don't think it's as big an epic an ending that but it they wanted to it do. It. Is. Yeah. I think it's more of just a bit of a chaotic yeah. mess. Look! Look at his little stinger going. I bet <laughs> he's, oh, he look wants at to that, put that in that big muscle, muscly so. chap, doesn't he? God, I'd put some yogurt, 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 <laughs> some yeah. yogurt on those muscles. <laughs> I do love the shot. Sills. You'll get on Sills' finger or the, the muscles. <laughs> the muscles. Oh. I do love this shot, though, of him going backwards. It is a great this. shot. It yeah. is an iconic shot for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And there he goes. And you, just don't, you don't see this in any yeah. other story, do you? So it is just a big WTF moment. Yeah, and uh, what I do like about this climax is we cut back to the courtroom and everything, and it goes, "Oh, the High Council have decided that this is the that the right thing to do and the best course of action." Get the sexy spaceship shot as well. As it suddenly makes the courtroom part of the story really important. Yeah, it, th yeah. this in now is intruding on the other story. That's what you were saying, wasn't it? It's actually relevant to the yeah. to the story, which is why in episode thirteen, where we go and we get all the revelations about the value and that's why that's really exciting again, because uh, again, it makes all this cool yes. and stuff very relevant. As a kid, episodes thirteen and fourteen <laughs> were like any season finale you've ever seen to me. Before I was like, God, this is Doctor Who doing big budget, exciting arcs. It was, you know, it was the sound yeah. drums. Now we're the getting at the dirt. Yeah, <laughs> and me, yeah. It's just like it's so clever. Yeah. 
But the time lords are, the time lords are only doing what the doctor was doing, which is just like sorting it out in the way they see is right. Yeah. You know what's staggeringly undramatic is how Perry dies between scenes. In one scene she's struggling, and in the next scene she's Kiv. Yeah, it's sad. Poor Perry, still hot. Yeah, still hot. Still very hot. (laughs) Do you think she's hot here as the evil bald Perry? Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, it's because you've both got a toe fetish when they start wriggling (laughs) them in it, doesn't (laughs) it? I absolutely would I never go near, near go no kink shaming, but keep your feet away from me, whoever you are. <laughs> stingers though. No, stingers. Oh, oh I'm there for it. <laughs> oh, and this is great as well. When he goes, you know, charge and suddenly they're affecting this again, don't they? They make it all go into slow motion. Everything's gotta be in place for for this discovery to be wiped out. This is really exciting stuff, I think. Yeah, and then they use them as assassins, which is yeah. something Nick Biggs will do again and again and again. <laughs> but that's a great line, though, don't you think? You're using King Yakanos as an assassin. I do think this does, although we've got like the sleepy Time Lords in the background, I do think this does do something to take the Time Lords to a bit more powerful away from that mm. fucking Ark of Infinity, just meandering yes. fucking old people. They're actively taking a role and they are. You know they're excising data in the first in in um, mysterious planet, and they're they're killing somebody here. It's like, oh no, these are people that are powerful, and you know. Are you saying, Dylan? They took it upon themselves to act like second-rate gods. Oh, that's exactly what I'm saying, but just not Impulsive. quite as eloquently. Omega now has control of the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, compare Colin and Dave Davison. It's yeah. like chalk and cheese. <laughs> She's great here, isn't she? Really good. Now, the problem is, as you get the upgraded version on Blu-rays and DVDs, like that bald makeup looked fine on a VHS, but I yeah. can see, I can see the lines. You can see there. the cap, can't you? Yeah. But yeah. even then, I think you can just say that that's something to do with the brain transplant, so it yeah, doesn't really absolutely. bother me. Well, because yeah. she's so pretty, it's just ghastly what they've done yeah. to her. It's a great performance, though. And it's he goes, proper "Welcome to your new body." Yeah, this is where he's intolerable. <laughs> she need never die. Yeah, it's because it, it's 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 trying to be big, but at the same time, he's saying it quite as well. She need never die. It's... For me, right, this bit now where he goes, no, <laughs> no. When I was a kid, drama would never get higher than this. <laughs> <laughs> still doesn't. Still doesn't. It's, it's fucking great. It's great. It's very not. I like how I'm still it? just turns around as well. Like as I turn around like that at yeah. work, if someone you, just strolls through the door, you can imagine him sort of going under his breath. Oh, bugger! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the this woman of his fabulous. dreams. And then oh. even like even the special effects Quantel fade out is great. Oh, I love it. <sighs> But yeah. like, would would you, you think say how Doctor Who's melodramatic? Normally... Oh, for sure, <laughs> it's operatic. <laughs> but yeah. we like that, don't we? Like that. You killed I, I Perry. Anyway, carrot juice. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I do think he delivers that line brilliantly, though. That sort of faltering. He cannot believe it. Yes. And then his sort of cheeks wobble as he says the last lines, doesn't he? With absolute indignation. And I, I have think... every intention of finding out. 
But this is kind of like it's it, it's almost that cliffhanger of uh, Rose, I'm coming to get you at the end of of Bad Wolf. And yeah, things it like is. That. It's not Except the close-ups on Colin, and well, he looks fucking furious. But, but I think often, it's justified in this case. Yeah. It's not often Doctor Who ends with a cliffhanger like that. In fact, perhaps never in the classic series, apart from there, of like the Doctor threatening to do something like "Don't put me in a trap." And you know, it's very rare. So I, th- I think that's a, a, a more interesting cliffhanger from this this run of episodes. And a, another reason why you can't just cut the trial scenes out, which people seem insistent on doing yeah. with these with these episodes. I don't know if you recall, at the end of The Mysterious Planet, the Doctor sort of goes, well, if that's the muck you can rake up, wake me up when it's finished. Like, that's not a great statement to make. (laughs) This is a bit more dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, and by the end, I do want to carry on with the trial. I want to see where it goes. So that's. I can't imagine anyone who was watching this at the time didn't want to watch the next one after that. Yeah, Yeah. it's a big cliffhanger. And how many people were watching? About seven or eight million at this point? No, it was about... it was. Four or five, I think. It went down uh, to yeah. three for Mysterious Planet, and then it started climbing, and it was sort of five uh, and a half towards six. I'm not surprised. In the ultimate foe. Well, no, it's a long story as well. People <laughs> didn't have the attention spans at the time. <laughs> but like Doctor enough. Who, Doctor Who stories do tend to end on a a, a happy note, don't they? You know, the, yeah. the rebellion succeeds, the villains this, are foiled. But this story's not over. No, but, that's true. But, They'll sort of pick it up and sort of not in five episodes' time. I, I like the fact in Terror of the Vervoids, we get the happy ending. You know, the Vervoids have all been defeated, and it's like, the charge must now be <laughs> genocide. <laughs> Close up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the trial, I think, yeah, it's always often unfairly seen as this failed experiment or like stupid move. And I, I, yeah, it's a little bit like silly, maybe putting it on trial when the show is on trial sort of thing. But it is also Doctor Who doing like what it should be doing, which is pushing the boundaries, doing something new. Yeah. Um and I mean it really does just throw absolutely crazy ideas in that's never done before. It de deconstructs the show's rules. It it, it turns it into a trial drama. Uh, this this self editing of its own stories. You've got a story from the future. You've got a villain that's him but in six you know incarnations time and evil i mean it's all just gee like brilliant brilliant fizzing with ideas it's not this like lost bad move i would say so refreshing to hear somebody who came to the show through the new series go back watch the classic series and enjoy this and say nice things about it because i don't think that's often the case yeah, well, I mean, it comes with none of that pressure of it being the Doctor Who at the time, does it? And, you know, any any weakness, when you feel like Doctor Who might be getting close to cancellation, any weakness or wrong move can really push you, you know. This was the first time in the show, Who's history, that it wasn't safe, that it wasn't a given to the fans, I think. Because there's, you know, we know it nearly came to an end after season six and seven. Um, but this is the first time a Doctor Who fans had suddenly grown up and they were in their late teens, their early twenties, and they'd, you know, they'd formed societies and things, and they were all very vocal. 
And the idea that Doctor Who wouldn't be there, they all felt somehow entitled to it because it had been there their entire life. And then all of a sudden, they become adults and they realise that life is a fickle bitch that will slap you around the face every now and then. Trouble and is, so- I don't think that cancellation anxiety ever went away. No, and no, and after it got cancelled for good at the end of Survival... Obviously, we had that enormous gap. So when the show came back, everyone was just waiting for the point where, okay, they're not going to make it anymore. Mm. So there's suddenly this enormous pressure that every episode's got to be the best fucking thing ever. Otherwise, they're going to cancel our precious show just like they did in 86 or 89. Mm. It's it's a it's a problem. There should really be like a company or you know some sort of spin-off media that just makes some Doctor Who stories for us just to put us all at rest a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's true audio? though. It, on audio? It, it is fully still here. It's definitely it's definitely madness, a, isn't it? Have we have of... we hit season twenty three of the new series yet? <laughs> it was definitely part of my like thing <clears throat> looking back about with the Jodie Whittaker series is like. Yeah, not only am I not enjoying it, but it's killed it as well. You know, that was always a bit, it won't exist past this. Like, it's fully dead. Possibly the biggest finger in the face that Chibnall could have done was, yeah, you didn't like it and I didn't cancel it. Ha! He he brought it damn close. (laughs) That's true, but I think Moffat might have once or twice as well. But But also, I don't think there was ever a danger of Doctor Who being cancelled after Chibnall. Not knowing what to do with it is very different from it being cancelled. They were looking for people to do it. It's just nobody wants to do it. And lest we not forget, it was the BBC who wanted to partner with a streamer and from what mm. i understand from that little quote ross t davis said i think it was a world where they went well we'll give it to this showrunner who's done i don't know low-key i know that's not the best example because they've just announced some of the writers but you know a big disney writer to do it but who doesn't necessarily understand the show that's why i feel ross t davis back uh, obviously we're on speculation again <laughs> well fellas so we can go to bed tonight Shall we do our three reasons as to why we recommend Mind Warp? There isn't any real difference, though, with season 23 to all of the Davidson series. Like, in quality, it's it's inconsistent. I don't think with classic... There's so much space now between classic and new. I think classic series is all a bit ropey now. Well, yeah, it's that thing of just show... Yeah. Show show your girlfriend and in fact, you know, up and show your girlfriend um, Pyramids of Mars and as you will see no fucking difference. Absolutely. Dylan Absolutely. has once again proven as with The Flux and Series 6 that if they do a season long arc he's there for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. Or a hybrid. Or a hybrid. Or a hybrid. Well, we'll, discuss <laughs> we'll discuss that next week, you cunts. All okay, right? yeah. Sorry, let's <laughs> let's do our let's do our uh, three things then. Well, let's start with Luke, then go to Dylan, and I'll go last. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go for the alien planet and just the fucking weird aliens, and just it really it's a proper alien world. And I know so as you go on, it gets a bit less alien because you sort of are just getting run around in tunnels, but that first shot of the planet in the distance, them stepping into the blue water, uh, the, the the mentors, all this, you know, the weird, even the weird pink thing at the end, the Pumazarian or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it builds up this replicated Philip Martin world that he's done before, but it it is something that Classic Doctor Who didn't do as successfully as this many other mm. times. Great. 
I am going to go for The Lighting by Don Babbage. Now, mm-hmm. I said earlier it's about the uh, person, you know, getting it right and getting the right person, but this is the same person who did the studio lighting for Dragonfire. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what went wrong? But actually, looking at his his run of stories, I think he does a few, like he also does Revelation. He does Caves of Androzani. He does the Twin Dilemma. For, you know, I don't know whether the lighting's the problem in the Twin Dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, has their off days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe he was going through a divorce or something. But I love what Don Babbage did by the use of the strobes by those big shining white lights out of the sort of where they're keeping people hostage, just, and then the darkness for the rest of it. He really, and that really helps sell that alien world and the oppressive nature of of that alien world that uh, Luke was talking about earlier. Well, let's go free for free with the production then. And I'll say Richard Hartley's music, which I think is one, you know, move over Dudley Simpson. It's one of the best scores for the classic series. It's I love the music where we first go through the screen to Thoros Beta. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's all this sort of wistful, weird, exotic alien music. But also he does give the action a bit of oomph and he just puts this sort of sinister dark undertone to the whole story which is helped by the special effects which is helped by the lighting but the music locks in as well so overall you've just got such a solid production Absolutely. yeah okay uh the scene between Yukanos and perry in part four uh where he's telling her about how he believes in afterlife or what his belief in the afterlife is and perry's quite sympathetic hell even finds it funny uh, it somehow sells the idea that she could possibly love this man and spend the rest of her life with him, which she doesn't do by the end of this part eight, but possibly might later on. Why to uh, fight? What else? <laughs> For that figure. <laughs> sorry, okay, sorry. <laughs> I can't act it as well as her. Um... <laughs> I'm actually going to pick uh, a slightly obscure one, and I'm going to pick the tin that the VHS came in. Oh, no, that's great. (laughs) Because it was such a wonderful thing to own as a, like, 10-year-old or 12-year-old or whatever it was, this chunky tin that had this weird plastic thing that sort of looked Time Lordy, and then there was the cardboard box inside and the art on the end. Each one came with a different doctor, and they were just... they are. Joe's got his tin out. Who, who, <laughs> who's on the bottom, Joe? Who's on the bottom? Madam, what year uh, is this? John Petwee. Um, <laughs> John Petwee. Yeah, I love. I loved that tin. It was the most exciting thing to own as a child. And um, yeah, videos in tins. You kids don't know you're fucking born with your Cyberman. Yeah, sorry, I'm just playing now. I, I, there is something to be said though when when the child of a time came out on DVD for me. It was having the whole uh, a whole series of Doctor Who, a whole classic series of Doctor Who, in one box set. We've it's never it's... seen the likes of it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was special. It was only from BBC Worldwide. <laughs> do you remember that trailer? I do. That was a bit later <laughs> on. That wasn't. That wasn't on the Mind War uh, thing. That was a bit later on. That and had I, the thirteen. And on video for his many fans. I think that was Steve Cole, you know. It was. 
I used was. to love so much the coming soon trailers on each DVD. Yeah. Oh yeah, Trouble oh. is, they made them look like sort of cinematic movies, and then you watch the bloody things, and you go, oh. But <laughs> I, because they they were genuinely new for me, so it'd be like, and, and I did used to get them up by month. So that was they were so excited, and I, mean, I love watching they're, them. They still include them on the Blu-rays, you know. You yeah, yeah, watch I watch them all the time. <laughs> Every night is there watching these trailers. <laughs> Um, I am going to say Earth Tales trailer over there. Brian Blessed as a whole, because I think he does this as a whole, as a whole, (laughs) not not as an asshole. As we 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 already said that he's not a bottom. As a fully rounded person, (laughs) oh man, I'd bottom for Brian Blessed any day. (laughs) (laughs) I'd get lost under there somewhere, but oh, it'll be the most memorable night of my life as a whole person, character, whatever you want to say. I think he is. Like magnetic to I can't keep my eyes off him, even when he's shouting his head off. He's really fun. He's funny. He can be dramatic when he wants to be. He can bring it down when he wants to. He's probably doing pulling more weight than Colin Baker in this because the script is so confused about what Colin Baker's doing. So, yeah. in terms of a protagonist, I think Blessed might be it in this story, yeah, and possibly a tiny glimpse into what he might have been like as the Doctor, especially in the moments where he brings it down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I... I as much as I... to be in a scent like this? As much as I uh, sort of ha- had problems with Colin's sort of performance as the evil Doctor and the Doctor being evil and whatever, this story does exist and what it does do is really bring in the child and push it in a new direction and also gives the value of a bit of bite and a bit of like a he's a proper villain and he's presented this as his attack and that because I am a fan of the trial scenes it is nice for that to really be brought in at this point and uh, and it'll probably keep you ticking over while Terror of the Vervoids doesn't really have anything to do with it until we get back to the ultimate foe <laughs> later on um, yeah, just tying in those two worlds a bit more because I don't think the Mysterious Planet did it all so successfully. Um, mm. And I hate, I hate that there's that uh, version of Terror of the Vervoids on the Blu-ray where they've cut out the child scenes. <laughs> that is sacrilege. In what other, in what other Doctor Who story is it acceptable to just cut out scenes? And, Enlightenment and it... special edition, <laughs> which is seventy minutes long. And, and I suppose the animation for the Macro Terror as well. But that's a new kind of worms. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like the trial scenes in in all of them, but this one is probably the one where the most relevant and mm-hmm. uh, and have the most impact. Okay, I uh, love. Gonna... Don't you love the fact that someone chose the trial scenes to learn? I just think that's uh, gold. Uh, I, people are fucking weird. <laughs> um, just because it can be done doesn't mean it should be done. Um. Oh, I thought you that was your last thing there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Are you talking about Mind Warp or the trial? Or no, Luke but so, so, someone cutting the, 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 the scenes oh, out. Oh, 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 good. I thought you were, oh, I thought you were sorry, like you dropping me. No, so, sorry. I was, I, I was Googling my next one, actually, because it's quite a, it's an even more niche one. But no, I fully support you. The, the second you, lighting like, director. Yes, yeah. Don Babar. Who, who right. appeared in Panopticon 8. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I'm going to choose uh, Alistair Pearson's cover for the Target novelization. Ooh. Because it's fucking weird, and he gets Sill wrong. His Sill's face is wrong. Boss-eyed, isn't he? Yeah, he's boss-eyed, and he looks peculiar. But 
this was again like a really early memory of seeing it in a shop somewhere and it's got the McCoy logo and it's got that pink beach with the with the sky and then it's got the mentors and there's a real like I remember just getting into Doctor Who and looking at that book and going what the fuck is that one about that looks really weird and the boss-eyed sill somehow makes it even more peculiar um and I later saw it at Panopticon 10 Luke uh, where I put no I didn't (laughs) are you sure yeah possibly I don't know I can't remember when I bought it but I just remember seeing it and being like that is that is that's Doctor Who, isn't it? Weird aliens, weird alien planets. What is this? Did it have the Pizarian on the front of it? No, maybe uh, it was. Maybe it was on the back somewhere. But... <laughs> Nothing would be more unforgettable than the Vervoids cover. It looks like an enormous fanny staring at you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> My last thing then is going to be like the general sort of wrongness of this and how that's utilised to make this a really uncomfortable unforgettable experience so the doctor being the most evil he's ever been perry being tortured perry being killed like all of this <laughs> is so wrong it's so not what doctor who should be doing when it's just been fucking <laughs> put on hiatus for 18 months one thing they shouldn't have been doing is reminding us all that the show's on trial the second thing they shouldn't be doing is reminding us of why it went on hiatus for 18 months <laughs> but hey ho you can't say eric Sword wasn't brave no no, no there, there's a there's a real uncomfortable feel to this story which makes it quite unique i think in doctor who times i don't think many classic who's have this sense of unease so yeah so that that's that's my third reason I, no, I think, i'm glad i'm, I'm glad. not sure it should have happened but i'm glad it did i'm glad you said that because you, you are right like it's it is unique and actually yeah. I, I find it quite hard to find that many things that make me feel uncomfortable in a certain yeah, it's way like, flesh crawling you can it? feel grossed out or you can feel scared or whatever but it, there's not many things that make you feel actually uncomfortable or you know just a bit leave a bad taste and especially not Doctor Who. Doctor Who shouldn't yeah. be doing that. But the fact it does is it is that city of death. <laughs> it's that quote. But the fact it does is sort of the beauty of it. And it, again it just pushes that remit of Doctor Who can and does can be anything and you know can live through it. Do you think part of that is the Eric Sayward thing of not giving a fuck about the characters of the Doctor? So he's willing to let the show do the sort of things that you wouldn't normally do with it, because actually it's just like, yeah, this is interesting. This is the type of story I want to tell. We'll see if RTD kills Donna off and makes a bald at the end of the giggle, <laughs> and then we'll know. He's not going to be bald. Please. He's going to be dead. Shave her head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we, like I said earlier about this is sort of as far as he can push it, isn't it? And I'm glad we didn't go any further with this because then you're going to start battering this into a shape that isn't Doctor Who. I think, we're getting I think dangerously already, close I at think this it point. is already there. With, without the explanation of what the Doctor's actually doing, whether he's been edited or whether he's had his brain much, without that explanation, I think it's already there. And I don't think you can go any further apart from literally undressing people or literally having physical violence. <laughs> I or... mean, you were going to have scenes in The Ultimate it... Evil of him being hit by the violence ray. Apparently he was going to pick up a shard of glass and start oh, running God. around this planet trying to kill the aliens. <laughs> Eric really didn't like Colin Baker, did he? A- any more uncomfortable than this and it just becomes... Uh, 
like on BBV. <laughs> but it is unique for it, and that should be treasured. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Amen. boys, um, talking about uh, other unique experiments that perhaps should or should not have happened, where are we going next? We're going to a castle, very famous castle, the Confession <laughs> Dial Castle. What a castle! I think it's. I think it's, I think it's a bit of Caffili, isn't it? Really. And then but, we're going to Gallifrey. Oh Christ! <laughs> but it is. We are doing the hands down best episode of Modern Doctor Who next. Heaven sent, followed yeah. by Hellbent. Well, I love them both equally. I also love Hellbent, but it's a lot. Hellbent's definitely the juicier one to talk about for many a reason. Not yeah. just the reason you probably think. And I don't want to keep my powder dry. I think one's very boring. And I think the other one is one of my least favourite new series episodes. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. It's going to be a hoot. I can't wait. It's There's always one good. of us, isn't there, that don't like it. Have you noticed? Well, that, that's the new format. <laughs> we, can't, we can't all just mutually masturbate an episode of Doctor Who all the time. Sometimes but we could, we could mutually masturbate and hate one because there was a point when we all agreed the visitation was shit during this podcast. Uh, Let's do it. Let's just go and rip the visitation <laughs> to shreds. Okay, add it to the list. <laughs> well, fellas, it's been a blast until. Next Tuesday, your pair of cunts. See you next Tuesday, <laughs> you cunts. <laughs> Goodbye, beautifuls. And I'll cut <laughs> it there.